chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome in. Lake Kick is live. It is Tuesday night. That's right, Tuesday night. Yes, September 2, September 1st, the year of our Lord 2020. We have, sure enough, shifted to three live shows per week. Not a week too soon, by the way. A really, really busy Tuesday. So we got so much to get to. Jam-packed, as always. That's the name of the game around here. I am Josh Pate. This is The Late Kick. We are happy to have you with us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. If you're watching, that's where you are already. Just click that button. It's free. We have done some great traffic, especially over the last couple of weeks on this show. So right off the bat, whether you're listening on the podcast, whether you're watching on the YouTube channel, thank you so much for that. You are doing more work than you realize. I want to kind of leave it at that. You're doing a lot more work than you realize when you subscribe to the channel and when you give us those five-star reviews and when you just give us traction. Because I think a lot of you have noticed and you have said as much in the comment section and email and on Twitter, a lot of you have kind of noticed a large swath of our industry, the college football media industry, has chosen a route. That's on them. That's up to them. That's their choice. Uh, we, on this show, Late Kick, and the entire Late Kick brand, along with 24-7 Sports, we have kind of chosen to go a different route. It's the route that I think you want us to go. And a lot of you have responded in kind, and you've given us a lot of support. I mean, this is a product that we just got off the ground a few months ago here. The Barton and Bud podcast is a product that at 24-7 just got off the ground a few months ago, and both are already making a lot of noise. And that's not because of us. It's because of you. We couldn't exist without you. So what I'm telling you is, if you like what we're doing here, continue the support because it's not just us looking at it. It's people in really high-ranking decision-making positions that see it. So thank you so much. Tonight, we are talking about the day that was in the Big Ten. We just spoke 48 hours ago, guys, and already it seems like the world has turned over four or five more times in the Big Ten. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about, obviously, as we do every show this time of year, the latest intel and whispers that we're getting from fall camps and practices and scrimmages all across the country. We are also going to discuss just the ongoing roster churn that continues at LSU. Um, hasn't been a fun week down at LSU for a number of reasons. But I'll tell you what was fun today is amidst all the chaos out there, we got in our hands for the first time real-life college football TV broadcast schedules for the 2020 college football season. So we are going to talk about all that and more in this show tonight. <clears throat> i got to clear my throat for this one because this is going to be a really, really involved segment. As the Big Ten turns, we should probably just call this a docu-series or even a docu-drama at this point. We have talked about the Big Ten every late kick live for about the past month, it seems, and today, no different. To briefly play catch-up, because I know a lot of you have a life, and you have a job, and responsibilities, and kids, and all sorts of real-life things to think about during the day, whereas people like us are just paid to peruse Twitter and whatnot, 
boy, it was a busy Tuesday. It was a really action-packed Tuesday. But then in reality, did anything actually happen? Don't know. But if you missed it today, here's a little synopsis. Take about two minutes. The Big Ten yesterday released that whole, we had an 11 to 3 vote line up here. It was in response to a lot of legal ongoings from the Nebraska lawsuit. So they wanted you to know and they made sure to convey through the appropriate media mouthpieces out there, 11 to 3. That was vote 11 to 3. Not even close. So clear, abundantly clear. That was what Kevin Warren said at the time, and they reiterated it. Well, then this morning, you may be uh, doing your mid-morning workout. You may be eating some oatmeal. You may be texting with your sister in uh, Des Moines. And all of a sudden, you look down and you say, What's this news alert on my phone? Oh, the president says that he spoke with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. What in the world is this about? As I told you the other day, and as I will reiterate here, we are not getting political, never have, never will on this show, so I'm strictly going to tell you what happened. What happened, according to the president and according to people in the Big Ten League office, uh, the president offered testing support and federal support, and basically kind of said, hey, what's it going to take to get the Big Ten to play? And so that's kind of what a lot of us have been asking already. So that happens. And then subsequently, as is to be expected, you get a lot of smoke in the Big Ten. And a lot of people are asking, some credible, some not, but a lot of people start asking, wait a second, is something happening? Could this really happen? And then you hear a few more whispers. And then you see some unconfirmed reports and some anonymous sources being quoted as saying, hey, an October start to the season could be on the table. Then... A few hours later, again from the predictable blue check marks in the college football media world, you have people shooting down that narrative via league sources. I'll let you guess who that source is. You probably don't have to guess who I'm talking about here. And not only did they perfectly serve as mouthpieces for everything that the Big Ten League office needs to be put out there, they also... Just pure hubris here. They actually had the gall to criticize Big Ten head coaches as pushing a narrative behind the scenes. Can you imagine? I dare you, Ryan Day, or James Franklin, or Jim Harbaugh, whoever it may be behind the scenes. How dare you push a narrative? That's our job. That's not your job. That's our job. Shame on you for, oh, I don't know. Let me check. Being passionate about your job and wanting to play a college football season. And then the creme de la creme, again, will let them go unnamed because I don't feel like wasting our airspace with naming them. But there were a lot of them out there today that suggested to you, the reader, who apparently they don't think knows any better. Yes, friends, today, Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, this all became political. When the White House got involved, that's when it became political, and not a second before that. So, if any of you think out there, before today this was political, essentially you're an idiot or a simpleton that we can't even believe has the intelligence to turn on a computer and read our columns. But now, now it's become political. Okay, thumbs up there. Let's move on. I got a question for you. It's rhetorical. guess I should have put a Twitter poll out earlier today. But this is kind of what I've been thinking about throughout the day. Let's say we could reverse engineer this whole mess. Let's say we could go back to August 11th. And let's say we're all excited about the Big Ten schedule that's just been released in the last week. And August 11th rolls around and no decision is handed down. We go to sleep that night, and there's no season postponement. There's no announcement from the league office. The Big Ten has just decided, we're going to wait it out. We're going to do what the SEC is doing and the ACC and the Big 12. We're going to wait it out. 
you know, we still reserve the right to cancel this thing or postpone it down the road, but there's really no uh, wisdom in making a move on August 11th. Let's say that happened. And let's say that that day internally, the Big Ten said, all right, September 1st, that's going to be our internal deadline. That's when we're going to need to make a decision. That is the line in the sand date. If that were to have happened, and today was the day that the Big Ten and the chancellors and presidents and whatnot, Kevin Warren included in this discussion, if that was the date where they needed to make a decision, do you think that they would make the same decision today that they made on August 11th? My answer is no. At the very least, I don't think it would be by the 11-3 supermajority that was shoved down your throat via league documentation yesterday. So that's one thought. Now what's happening behind the scenes is what we have to worry about moving forward. Publicly, there's no change. Publicly, you know, the Big Ten released a statement that, as Big Ten statements have gone recently, included a whole lot of nothing. And behind the scenes, it feels like there are things happening. And I don't know exactly what those things are, but here's what it seems to me is happening right now. I think a lot of people in the Big Ten, a lot of people in influential and or decision-making positions understand they overplayed their hand. And we have documented this, and we don't need to go back on that. But I think a lot of people up there realize they kind of overplayed their hand. Here's what I mean. They didn't give you any data. You know, they didn't release vote totals at first, but they really didn't give you any data that could quench the thirst for those seeking information as to exactly why the season needed to be postponed. They cited various medical experts, and they cited the intel they were getting from their medical experts, but yet you didn't get the intel tell. And if it's for the betterment of society and the student athlete safety, uh, you would think that's information that you'd want to push out there immediately. So since people didn't get that, then there have been a lot of questions to be asked. But you've been told the whole time, one of the biggest obstacles in the Big Ten that we cannot find a way to overcome safely is rapid enough testing, plentiful enough testing, resources that it takes to be in place to be able to test. Well, Here's how you overplay your hand. You put all that stuff out there publicly, and then you have someone like the President of the United States call you up and publicize the fact that he called you up and publicize the fact that he offered you testing because there's been a lot of advancement in that area even over the past month and also offered you federal assistance. So now I want you to follow me here. Think about how this plays out over the next month. I want you to picture this. We haven't started the season yet in the Power Five. None of the Power Five teams have played yet. So still, we really don't know how this is going to play out. But I want you to picture this right along with me here. Let's say the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 do pull it off and they get their seasons underway. The G5s get their seasons underway. We've got some FCS teams out there with a season underway. And you've got deeper pockets as a conference than all of them. And they're getting their seasons underway without the need for help from the White House when it comes to testing and federal help. They're doing it on their own. You not only have deeper pockets than them, therefore more plentiful resources than them, you got offered federal help. And you said, no, we're good. How's that play? I don't think it plays too well. I think you can see the problem there. So I think some people who were initially very vocal about this, if you'll notice, we kind of pointed this out Sunday night, and I continue to point it out, there were a lot of people, head coaches, players, you remember the petitions going around, a lot of people were very vocal as soon as this decision was handed down. There was this groundswell of the let us play movement, let us play, let us play. Well, then some of those same voices, the volume kind of got turned down a little bit, if you'll notice, over the last week to week and a half. 
I don't think they lost their interest in this. I don't think they just calmed down and accepted the inevitability that there's not going to be a season. I think that a lot of people in the Big Ten who are in reality the most passionate about getting this season underway as soon as possible, started to get a sense that maybe there were some things turning behind the scenes, and they thought it best to just have some patience, sit back, and let's see how this plays out. If this does not play out, where it finally appears completely locked, thrown away the key, we cannot get a fall season in, I think you'll hear a lot louder voices from a lot of influential people up there even than they were the first time around. So it's still not too late. As I said today, it is still not too late. If, my, if the right minds were changed in the Big Ten, again, we sit here on September 1st, there is nothing other than hurt pride potentially that is standing in the way if the minds up there changed of the Big Ten getting their season off the ground in mid-October and being able to align with the other Power Five conferences and tie in with what you would normally tie in, and that is a road that eventually leads to a college football playoff. Ask yourself, what's standing in the way? Is it data? Those numbers have been trending in the right direction. If they're not, show them to you. Haven't seen them yet, have you? Understandably, a lot of people still been out of shape about this. And I would guess, Colin, that we have another show Thursday. I guess we'll probably talk about the Big Ten again Thursday. Just a wild guess. All right, let's talk about football here. Camp Intel, whole lot of stuff going on. We have brought you this every show for the past several weeks as soon as camp's opened, and this one's no different. And what we're trying to do is we use, to me, an unparalleled network of team insiders that we have at 247sports.com. Think about it. Even right here, as we sit here now, there is somebody who is totally dialed in on Oklahoma State football. There are teams dialed in from Miami to to Notre Dame, to North Carolina, everywhere in between. And all we have to do is ring them up, give them a text, and we have immediate access inside the best access that you could possibly have to college football teams. Think about how closed off you've been. You don't even have access to anything right now. So how are you supposed to know what's going on in camps? We're going to tell you. That's how. So at Notre Dame, really big news today, actually, the Notre Dame running back situation, Brian Kelly confirmed, first off, Kyron Williams is their first stringer right now. Now, there's been a lot of movement there. You remember they had a COVID outbreak, so there have been a lot of people who have and haven't been able to practice. Well, Kyron Williams right now emerges as the number one tailback for Notre Dame. More on that in just a second. But also, Osita Equanu. I wanted to memorize the name. I didn't want to read it. Osita Equanu, linebacker, okay? An outside edge rusher type. Brian Kelly just kind of reveals today, oh, we're going to work him at running back too. Now, this guy played running back in high school. Those of you who follow Notre Dame recruiting, you know that. He is a load. Uh, He's the kind of guy who is built like an outside linebacker or maybe even an inside guy. Uh, Kind of like you looked at Derrick Henry when he was coming out of high school. A lot of people said, that guy can't play running back. Look how big he is. And oh my goodness, he's playing running. Did he just win the Heisman? Now, I'm not calling Heisman here. I'm not even calling starting reps. What I am saying is versatility, short yardage situations, you need someone to pound it in from the two-yard line, you got options there. Now, what I also found very interesting from Brian Kelly today, he said a lot. If you guys are Notre Dame fans, I would suggest you go watch his press conference. But you know what he said today? He said, we've pretty much got our starters figured out. Now, he said, we got competition, yes, because every coach is just required to say that this time of year. But Brian Kelly, head coach at Notre Dame, said, We pretty much got our ones figured out. You don't hear that very often. I don't know whether to be excited about that or have a little trepidation about that, but hey, 
at least you know what you got. Or apparently that Notre Dame coaching staff knows what they have. I want you to go back now to 2017. Do you remember the 2017 season? We were, Colin and I were talking about it before the show. How, how well do you remember 2017? In some ways, it seems like yesterday. In other ways, it seems like a couple of decades ago. At Florida State, specifically, 2017 is the year where they opened against Alabama. It was like number three versus number one. It was the first college football game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yours truly was standing right there on the sideline late in the fourth quarter. DeAndre Francois goes down. I think it was Ronnie Harrison or somebody for Alabama who injures him, knocks him out for the season. And a kid by the name of James Blackman comes in. That's right. The same James Blackman that was named starting quarterback for Florida State today That was also the guy who played quarterback for Florida State back then. Think with me what this guy's been through. He was there when Jimbo Fisher was still the head coach at Florida State in 2017. That was Fisher's last year. He was there and ended up getting the starting job after Francois goes down. He's there throughout the entire Willie Taggart debacle. He's been, it seems like he's been through half a dozen coordinators, and I think that number's kind of close to reality. And now Mike Norvell comes in. No spring, so another new offense. This guy probably knows half the offenses in college football by now, and Mike Norvell names him his starting quarterback. I tend to believe that out of all the offenses he's played in, and there have been a bunch of them, everything this side of the triple option, this is probably one that he's best suited to play in. I Listen, there's not a whole lot of intel to be had here because there's not a whole lot to know about what Mike Norvell and Florida State are going to be able to do, but if there's a guy you want to root for in college football this year, If you want to see a guy who's overcome a whole lot of adversity, might I suggest James Blackman? Because that's a guy who's been through the ringer at Florida State. Didn't transfer either. Been there the whole time. Now let's get a little more in depth. Let's go to Tennessee. Tennessee is a team who has got a ridiculously tough schedule again this year. Uh, They also finished kind of hot last year, and then they won a bowl game. So they have some expectation. Third year under Jeremy Pruitt. Offensive line is now in a position where it's no longer this glaring weakness. It may even be a strength. May be one of the best in the country, for all we know. Sure would help to have Cade Mays eligible at uh, at NCAA. But I'm of the opinion, and we're going to talk about this more in our Tennessee grand season preview coming up in the next couple of weeks. Don't have a release date on that yet, but I'm of the opinion that if Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt are to shock the world this year, if they are to be one of the surprise teams in college football this year, they have to be the most physically dominant offensive team in the SEC. That's what their hallmark has to be this year. And I'll tell you what they really need. Aside from that offensive line and a couple of reliable tailbacks and consistency at quarterback, They need versatility and they need physicality at that tight end and H-back position. Blocking at those positions was pretty good last year. They had Dominic Wood Anderson, who has since moved on to the NFL, and they had Austin Pope. Well, as I said, Wood Anderson gone. Austin Pope had back surgery in the offseason, and so now you're looking at that position. It's it's overlooked. No one ever talks about H-back and tight end. But yet, it's going to be a really, really integral part to what Tennessee's trying to do this year. So I was looking over on Vols 24-7 today, and they were talking about this, actually. They were kind of tossing some ideas back and forth. And, you know, Princeton Fant, for example, is a name on that roster. He's going to play, you know, very meaningful football for them this year. That's a guy in the past that was more a wide receiver, that they have molded and tried to turn into a guy who fits this description And hopefully for them it pays off. And hopefully Austin Pope is a guy that's good to go this year. I think it's a stretch 
to believe that they'll be in week one where they want to be at that position. But watch that. If you're watching stuff early in the year, Tennessee plays South Carolina in week one. Watch it. You know, for all we know, they may beat Carolina, but still show red flags at a position like that. Or it may be that, you know, they, they beat them 23 to 7, and it's not an offensive fireworks show, but yet you say, that's the style of football you'd want to see from them. That makes me think that no team's ever really going to run away from them this year because they're able to shorten games, shave off opponents' possessions. They can make it ugly if they need to. You know, it's not exactly a, a vintage 2020 style offensively, but probably what they're going to need to be this year. At Texas A&M, we've got some loss and we've got some opportunity here. So Elijah Blades has opted out. Now, this is the second opt-out. Uh, well, I think they had one like in the last couple of hours, but I'm, Elijah Blades is a guy I really want to focus on because this is a guy who is going to be a starting corner for them. And he's opted out and said, I'm coming back next year. So this is a guy opting out because of COVID concerns, in other words. So who are our starters here at A&M, at corner? Well, you got one in Miles Jones that is pretty entrenched at one of the starting positions. But now we enter into the equation, potentially, one of the guys we talked about a lot in the last recruiting cycle, and that's Jalen Jones. Jalen Jones is a guy for obvious reasons. All those five stars next to his name that a lot of Texas A&M fans have been really excited about. I'm excited about him. Everyone at 24-7 is excited about him. Probably going to get to see him play a lot as a true freshman? Well, you already were. Let me put it that way. Now you're probably going to get to see him start. And if he doesn't start, he's going to play a lot. And if he doesn't start, it'll be because that Juco transfer, Brian George, is starting. George is like a more physically developed thumper type, uh, but uh, good athleticism now. But I'm really excited to watch Jalen Jones, and I think we're going to get to see him a lot this year at Texas A&M. Also, Colin, I didn't give you any elements for this, so don't worry about it. But Did you see the news out of UCF today? Talked about 2017 earlier. 2017 lowercase national champ UCF had 10 guys opt out. A group opt out, like an entire wrestling stable. Just walk back through the curtain. They're not playing. Now, it wasn't necessarily marquee names that you would recognize, but if you're a UCF fan, you know some of these guys were going to start. Several of them were going to litter your two deep. So 10 guys just up and walk out on Central Florida today. That is enough to completely, potentially, upend a couple of games in the AAC this year. Cincinnati, they're watching. Memphis, they're watching. Um, SMU, I think one of the biggest dark horse teams in college football this year, they're watching. So that's what's going on with camps right now. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Boy, oh boy. How do we even start this? Let's talk about LSU. That's how I'm going to start it. You could probably watch 100 years of college football and not see a set of circumstances presented to a team, the likes of which Ed Ogeron and LSU are dealing with right now. 
talked about how it's very convenient that we just started adding a Tuesday show today. Well, here's how it's convenient. When we last spoke, Jamar Chase was the headliner. That's what we were talking about. Jamar Chase is opting out at LSU, and that brings the magic number of guys who were on the 2019 roster who will not be on the 2020 roster to 32. Well, now, 48 hours later, we're up to 34. Just keeps on climbing. And now it's Tyler Shelvin yesterday, another guy who is projected by some to be a first-rounder. I know some people debate that. At the very least, a high-impact future Sunday player, another one, has opted out at LSU. The magic number, as I said, is now 34. You lose two more surefire starters here. So where are we at? Well, Ed Orgeron spoke with the media today, and uh, he said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Well, he didn't say that. That was his attitude. What he said was, yeah, there are a couple more of them that are talking about opting out, and I hope they don't, but it may not be over is the point. Now, there are some names being thrown around. There's probably a fair amount of skill at this point. I mean, look at the few left on LSU's roster that would benefit from opting out and looking ahead to the NFL. I mean, who down there at this point would even fit that description? There aren't many names, so there are a few names, but we'll see. Hopefully, that's not something we end up talking about. But you've had the roster turnover, the likes of which you would normally have to add up three seasons to accumulate. LSU's dealt with it in one offseason. You've had off-field issues recently. Orgeron's had personal issues in his life that were pretty well chronicled early uh, in this year that I don't really feel like getting into. And now this. Ed Orgeron's 2020 will be one of the best college football autobiographies that you'll ever read several years from now. I would recommend, in fact, that he writes one book about 2020 and another book about the rest of his life, the rest of his college football career, because that's how involved 2020 has been so far. I had an odds maker tell me in comparing the LSU 2019 team to the LSU 2020 team, because that's really what you want to know, like how, how much have they dropped off? Well, you know, not that a point spread is the end-all be-all, but I had an odds maker tell me hypothetical matchup, 2019 LSU versus what we have now after the Shelvin opt-out and the Chase opt-out. 2019 LSU favored by three touchdowns versus 2020 LSU. Do you understand how insane that is? Uh, Might I remind you, very rarely do odds makers assign more than three points of value for any one player, and that's an elite quarterback, somebody like that. 21 points, three touchdowns worth lost in on-field, any given Saturday value. Crazy stuff. I saw Shea Dixon over on the uh, Go 24-7 site that probably had one of the boldest undertakings in the history of sports media, and that is attempting to put together the current LSU depth chart. It's a brave move, partly because you got a lot of moving pieces down there, and uh, the other part is because it may be irrelevant in the next day, according to Ed Orgeron himself. I know it sounds kind of like I'm uh, joking around about this. My approach here is the only other option is to cry. So let's not cry on air, and instead let's just shake our head and call it for what it is. But I want to tell you this on a very serious note. I know a lot's going wrong right now. LSU is probably not going to be a national championship team this year. But I want to tell you this. As great as 2019 was for LSU, that's in the past. And it's great to look at that thing in the trophy case. And it's great to watch that Clemson replay and that Georgia game replay. And that's all fun. That's all well and good. But if LSU is to win championships in the future, I can guarantee you bet your last dollar on it. That man, Ed Orgeron, and the folks around that program will be talking about how 2020 paved the way 
for that title or those titles that they go on to win. Because infinitely more is going to be learned through the adversity they're going through right now than was ever learned last year. What went wrong last year? Conversely, what's gone right this year so far? And we haven't even kicked it off yet to start the season. So at least if you want to shine some ray of positivity on it, I would look at it like that. But I do want to reiterate my position. 2019, you know, a lot of people still look back on it and, you know, it's kind of the age old question at this point, it seems. Was that a season or was that a shift? 2019, it could be, I I think it was on a podcast, the Late Kick Extra podcast. I made a, a meteorological comparison to a closed cold core low. And those are these low pressure systems. Real fun, very unpredictable. And if you ever want snow in the South, it's probably your best bet. They form and they're independent of everything else. And they bring their cold air. They bring their own cold air with them. So it can be 73 degrees one day and then it's seven inches of snow on the ground the next day. This happened back in 2009, I want to say, in Georgia. And the point was, once it moved through, it moved through. It wasn't like cold air set in for a week. This crazy storm system comes in, and it's 70 degrees one day. There's the storm. And next day, it's like 50 degrees again. Next day, it's 70 degrees. And you're saying, how did that happen? Well, it was just this totally independent atmospheric phenomena, and it comes in, and once it's gone, it's gone. Is that what 2019 is going to be for LSU? That's the big question. That's what everyone in the remains-to-be-seen camp is waiting to see. Here's the other unfortunate aspect. The unfortunate aspect, I'm not delving into a whole lot of the off-the-field stuff right now because there's a lot going on everywhere, but I do want to say this. When you have guys opting out and you have a guy like Jamar Chase opt out and Tyler Shelvin opt out, here's the unfortunate aspect that a lot of you have observed. The fringes get amplified today. It used to be that you had crazy people in your fan base, but, you know, Twitter didn't exist. So you could kind of, you know, you heard them at your barbecues and your cookouts and at restaurants and family reunions, like you heard them, but the entire world didn't hear them. Well, now someone with 37 followers on here and had a little egg for a profile on Twitter, all of a sudden they can call Jamar Chase whatever they want to. And that gets plastered all over Twitter and all over the internet. And 1,700 retweets later, everyone thinks, oh my goodness, look at what those LSU folks are saying to poor Jamar Chase. Well, that's a fringe. But the fringe is getting amplified. Well, here's the unfortunate aspect of that. Sometimes people don't know how to interpret that. And sometimes parent of a player or a player themselves or a recruit or even an opposing assistant coach who's recruiting against you could take that, put it in front of a future player and say, you see that? That's how they treat them there. That's how they treat players there. You're, you're nothing to them if you can't play football. We all know that's not the actual case for a vast majority of fans there or anywhere, but just mind your P's and Q's. I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir. I know 98% of you don't do this, but that is something to be cognizant of. Just saying. Let's move on. Happy news here, at least to wrap the show up. Happy news in that today we actually had some TV broadcast schedules released. Now, before Colin shows you these schedules, I want you to do something for me. I want you to, for the second time in the show, take your mind back. You can close your eyes if you want to. Just make sure you're not driving. Take your mind back to August 9th. It was a Sunday night. We did an episode of Late Kick Live. I was sitting right here at this desk. And we were going on air as tweets were going out all over the place from various national college football media types that it was expected by the end of the week, all college football will have been postponed. Do you remember that night? like Black Sunday. And then shortly thereafter, the Big Ten did postpone, famously. And then 
The Pac-12 followed suit, but then a funny thing happened, and Notre Dame synced up with the ACC, and the other three Power Fives stood firm and still are. So my point is, think about how bleak things seemed that Sunday night, and then juxtapose that to how beautiful the image is that Colin is going to show you, and if I were to have been able to show you the TV schedule graphic that we have released today, that night, it sure would have cheered you up, wouldn't it? We had to go through the dark times to end up here when we look at this. The SEC on CBS, we're going to talk about other conferences too, but the SEC on CBS schedule, partial schedule, was released today. Now look at that week one matchup. This caught a lot of your eyes, and I agree with it, but a lot of you don't agree with it. Mississippi State at LSU is the game that they chose as their national broadcast game, the 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central game there. And a lot of you said, well, Kentucky at Auburn will be more competitive, and Tennessee at South Carolina will be more competitive. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, certainly in terms of a a pregame point spread, you would be accurate there. But you can't be thinking in mere football terms here. Executives think in marquee. That's what they think about. So, You don't market a good, solid line of scrimmage battle on the plains between Kentucky and Auburn. What you market is defending national champ, gutted, can Coach O right the ship, Mike Leach makes his debut in the SEC. That probably doesn't all fit on the marquee, mind you, but you see what the mentality is there. And so couple that with the fact that who in the world knows what to expect from LSU week one? I think the line on that thing is somewhere between 16 points and three touchdowns. However, it's week one. You don't know what to expect from either of those teams, quite frankly. So we'll see about that. But outside of that, look at week two, Alabama hosting Texas A&M. That's one of those games that, of course, you can't know this in week two, but that's one of those games where we could look back at the end of the season and say, well, that's the one that decided the SEC West, for all we know. Of course, everyone's attention gravitates right to that October 17th Titanic matchup, Georgia at Alabama. That is, uh, by no one's surprise, the 8 p.m. Eastern primetime slot that they have chosen. In a way, we get completely and totally robbed because we don't get to see the full scene that a normal college football season would allow Tuscaloosa, Alabama to present on a Saturday night there hosting Georgia, but still fun nonetheless. And uh, speaking of Alabama, big rivalry games over there, I know it doesn't say it on the graphic here. Well, it says part of what I'm about to tell you. There is going to be, if everything stays on track, there is going to be an unprecedented television event on November 14th. Not only do you have Alabama at LSU as a night game, but you noticed the start time was 6 p.m. Eastern, not 8 p.m. Eastern. Normally, the primetime game wouldn't be 8 p.m., like the Georgia-Alabama game. That November 14th, why why is that 6 o'clock? I'll tell you why. The Masters is also happening that weekend. You're going to have, if everything goes according to plan, a Saturday in which CBS, the company that on that Saturday, and pretty much every Saturday, I will be very happy to be working for, CBS will be broadcasting the Masters, and then they will seamlessly toss from Augusta, Georgia, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for Alabama versus LSU, perennially the biggest game in the SEC for the last several years. Um... My prediction in an uncertain world is quite a few of you will have it locked on CBS and just able to throw your remote away for that Saturday. Uh, Elsewhere, Notre Dame made a pretty big announcement today, or I guess NBC and Notre Dame made the announcement. We don't have a graphic for it, but 
Mike Tirico has done the lead play-by-play duties for Notre Dame on NBC for a number of years now. Does a really good job. One of my favorites in the business. They made a change in that broadcast booth for NBC. It will now be Mike Tirico joined by Tony Dungy, who replaces Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, I know, is still going to do a lot of pregame, halftime, postgame coverage, but that could be a really, really good pairing there. Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy doing the NBC games for Notre Dame. Uh, The ACC released some schedules today, too. Of note, in week one, you have Georgia Tech at Florida State and Clemson at Wake Forest. That'll be your 3.30, 7.30, ABC kind of doubleheader to start the season in the ACC. But the um, Clemson-Notre Dame game, which is what everyone's kind of waiting on in the ACC, that one is November 7th, and they wasted no time telling you, November 7th, you better be parked at 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central, and have it on NBC because that is where Clemson and Notre Dame will take place. There is a whole lot to talk about here. I know that we're kind of responding to a question. Several of you asked me, hey, what did we think about the TV schedules that were released today? And so I chose the end of the show to talk about them. You know what I found is there's not a person out there who is not interested in talking about TV schedules. Everyone loves it, and especially if you have a nice fancy graphic to go along with it. So uh, that's a lot of what we're talking about today. I also wanted to let you know, that we released one of now two per week episodes of Late Kick Extra exclusively on the Late Kick podcast feed. So if you haven't already subscribed there, and I wanted to tell you, now that we have two of those episodes of Late Kick Extra per week, you can bring it as much and as often as you want to with those questions. Submit them via email, joshpate706 at gmail.com. You can submit them in my DMs on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh. Look under the video. If you're watching this episode of Late Kick Live right now, there is a pinned comment that you can reply to. So those Late Kick Extra episodes on the 24-7 Sports podcast channel, and it's the Late Kick uh, podcast channel, they're exclusively Q&A. It's all you. You drive those episodes. I don't care if you ask about college football. I don't care if you ask what my favorite color is or favorite flavor of ice cream. I answer pretty much anything and everything as long as it's not going to get me fired and as long as the statute of limitations has expired regarding the answer to that question. So subscribe if you haven't already. You know the drill. You guys have done a great job and you guys have shared our work all over the place. We appreciate it and hope to continue. We are getting started on what hopefully will be a great college football season. So for Director Colin, for producers on the podcast side, Jordan and Tani, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks for watching. Late Kick Live will be right back here same time Thursday night. God bless. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.